Section 14 of Old Rail Fence Corners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. Old Rail Fence Corners. Edited by Lucy Leavenworth Wilder Morris. Mr. Elijah Nutting, 1852. We came to Faribault in 1852 and kept the first hotel there. It was just a crude shanty with an upstairs that was not partitioned off. Very cold, too. I rather think there was never anything much colder, but it was well patronized, as it was much better than staying outside. There were many Indians whose home was in our village. We used to have good times with them and enjoy their games and seeing them dance. Families were moving in all the time. Finally winter was over and spring with us. We began to think how near the fourth was and how totally unprepared we were for its coming. We decided to have a minstrel show. We had seen one once. My brother was to be end man and black up for the occasion. But he was a little towhead and we did not see our way clear to make nice kinky black wool of his hair. Unfortunately for her, a black sheep moved into town in an otherwise white flock we boys would take turns in chasing that sheep and every time we could get near her we would snatch some of the wool when sewed on to cloth this made a wonderful wig the proceeds from this entertainment we saved for firecrackers then we bought some maple sugar of the indians very dark and dirty looking it looked very inadequate for a young merchant's whole stock of goods but when it was added to by scrapings from the brown sugar barrel when mother's back was turned it sold like wildfire. We felt like Rockefeller when we entrusted the stage driver with our capital to buy the coveted firecrackers in Cannon City, which then was much larger than Faribault. They cost forty cents a bunch, and we only got three bunches. The size of the crackers depressed us considerably, for they were the smallest we had ever seen. We feared that they would not make any noise. We put them away in a safe place brother was a natural investigator every time i was gone he would fear those crackers were not keeping well and try one he wanted no grand disappointment on the fourth joe bemis son of dr bemis always trained with us fellows and never backed down we were going to have a circus in the barn joe said i'll ride a hog the hogs were running around loose outside they were as wild as deer we laid a train of corn into the barn and so coaxed one old fellow with great tusks into it and then closed the door joe ran and jumped on his back like lightning the hog threw him and then ripped him with his tusk joe yelled for god's sake let him out we did we laid joe out on a board and dr bemis came and sewed him up he said joe won't ride a hog very soon again boys neither were you i guess mr charles rye 1853. Mr. Rye, 86 years old, hale and hearty, who still chops down large trees and makes them into firewood for his own use, says, I left England in a sailing vessel in 1851 and was five weeks on the voyage. My sister did not leave her bunk all the way over and I was squeamish myself, but I see the sailors drinking seawater every morning, so I joined them and was never sick a minute after. We brought our own food with us, and it was cooked for us very well, and brought to us hot. We did not pay for this, but we did pay for any food furnished extra. 
some ships would strike good weather all the way and could make a rapid voyage in three weeks but it usually took much longer i stayed in the east two years and came to st anthony in eighteen fifty three the best sower in our part of england taught me to sow grain after three days he came to me and said rye i don't see how it is but i can see you beat me sowing i hired out to sow grain at a dollar a day as soon as i came here and had all the work i could do i would put the grain about a bushel of it in a canvas lined basket shaped like a clothes basket and fastened with straps over my shoulders then with a wide sweep of the arm i would sow first with one hand and then with the other it was a pretty sight to see a man sowing grain seemed like he stepped to music once i saw twenty-five deer running one after another like indians across my sister's farm where st louis park is now i was watchman for the old mill in st anthony the winter of fifty three it was forty degrees for weeks i kept fire in wales bookstore too to keep the ink from freezing i made thirty-four dollars an acre on the first flax i sowed a man had to be a pretty good worker if he got fifteen dollars a month and found in fifty three most farmhands only got twelve dollars i used to run the ferry with captain tapper it was a large rowboat once i had eight men aboard when i got out in the river i saw the load was too heavy and thought we would sink boys i said don't move if you do we'll all go to the bottom the water was within one inch of the top of the boat but we got across i graded some downtown on hennepin avenue when it was only a country road there was a big pond on bridge square the ducks used to fly around there like anything early in the morning i cut out the hazel brush on the first fairground it was on harmon place about two blocks below loring park we cut a big circle so we could have a contest between horses and oxen to see which could draw the biggest load the oxen beat i don't remember anything else they did at that fair mr james m gillespie eighteen fifty three i remember that our first crop on our own farm at camden place in eighteen fifty three was corn and pumpkins the indians would go to the field take a pumpkin split it and eat it as we do an apple with grunts of satisfaction there was an eight-acre patch of wild strawberries where indians had cultivated the land on our new claim about where our house stands today they were as large as the small cultivated berries with a most delicious flavor everyone that we knew picked and picked but wagon loads rotted on the ground a good strong quick-stepping ox could plow two acres a day but much oftener they plowed one and one-half acres only the pigeons flew so low in fifty four we could kill them with any farm implement we happened to be using they seemed to be all tired out we killed and dried the breasts for winter miss nancy gillespie eighteen fifty three i remember a pear-shaped wild plum which grew along the river bank it was as large as the blue california plum and of a most wonderful color and taste i have never seen anything like it and have not seen this variety of late years mr isaac layman eighteen fifty three my father came to minnesota in fifty two and bought the land where layman's cemetery now is for a thousand dollars of mr dunbar he returned for us january first fifty three snow was two feet on a level and the cold was terrible we went with our horses and wagon to chicago from peoria there we bought a bobsled and put the wagon box on it adding a strong canvas top 
we put in a stove and made the twenty-one day journey very comfortably we came up through wisconsin the only spot i remember was black river falls the woods abounded with game there were thousands of deer and partridges we killed what we could eat only we saw many bear tracks we crossed the mississippi at st anthony and arrived at our cabin our house was only boarded up but father got out and banked it with snow to the eaves pounding it down hard so it would hold it made it very comfortable in the early days ammunition was very expensive for the farm boys who loved to shoot they found that dry peas were just as good as shot for prairie chickens quail and pigeons so always hunted them with these the passenger pigeons were so plentiful that the branches of trees were broken by their numbers they flew in such enormous flocks that they would often fly in at open doors and windows they obscured the sun in their flight looked at from a distance they would seem to extend as far up as the eye could reach i have brought down thirty at a shot they could be knocked off the branches with a stick while roosting and thousands of them were killed in this way in these early days they brought only ten or twenty cents a dozen the ducks used to congregate in such large numbers on rice lake that their flight sounded louder than a train of cars end of section fourteen